This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to The Waiting Room on Podcast225.com. Hello, welcome back to The Waiting Room. This is episode eight of The Waiting Room. I am Katie Fetzer here with um, Dr. Mary Catherine Rodriguez. We are the co-founders and co-owners of The Wellness Studio, which is our mental health private practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. And we are here, um, for those of you who are just tuning in, by the way, The Waiting Room is um, kind of your opportunity to gain insight from a mental health professional's perspective on how we can apply psychology and mental health to everything from pop culture, current events, um, issues that are going on during our society at this time, and also relationships and social issues. And, you know, each episode will sometimes have the two of us, but also maybe expert panelists might join us at times. Um, and just a little bit of a brief disclaimer about our show. The contents of our show are not meant to be mistaken for psychotherapy or counseling, so we don't want it to be intended as a substitute for mental health services. So if that is something you're looking for, while we are mental health professionals, we cannot do that um, for you over this podcast. So please reach out to your local physicians or schedule an appointment with one of us at 225-448-3359. For today's episode on The Waiting Room, we are going to actually talk a little bit more about mental health and our mental health system here, but we're going to take it a little bit broader as well outside of the state of Louisiana. And we're going to really talk about and focus in on counseling as one of the mental health professions and hope to be able to really humanize that for you, demystify it, break it down, talk about what it is and isn't, uh, maybe kind of highlight some of the myths about counseling and debunk some of those and also hopefully bring it um, to light for you as maybe an option that is or a solution for you at this point in your life, um, whether you're struggling with something or not and just want to better yourself. So please tune in and join us. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. Welcome back, back to The Waiting Room. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Waiting Room. I am your host, Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue, along with my co-host, Katie Fetzer. Uh, together, we own The Wellness Studio, and we also um, wanted to create a podcast that would help uh, bring mental health information to you in a very easy and accessible way. Uh, today's topic, we're talking about demystifying counseling and mental health. We get this uh, question quite often in our office, whether or not um, it's to break down what each role of someone in the profession looks looks like. Uh, it can be quite confusing. There, there People can, um, it's an umbrella. Psychology is an umbrella and there's multiple professions within that. So we'll be breaking those down, giving you uh, ample discussion around each one so you can find what might be the best fit for your needs. Um, and we're going to start with the basic definition of counseling. So the American Counseling Association defines counseling as a profession, a professional relationship that empowers individuals, families, groups, um, to accomplish mental health, wellness, education, and career goals. So you say, well, what does that mean? So basically a counselor is someone that is 
unbiased, non-judgmental, creates a safe space for you to come and process, whether it's specific life issues, relationships, um, in a very healthy uh, therapeutic way. And that is to promote wellness and a positive well-being. So you may say, well, how do I find the best counselor? And how do I... Um, you know, and understanding the roles of, of the profession, what is the person that I need to see and when and in and, and what order. So I always say for, for the, if you have health insurance, start there. They'll have a list of providers of the people that are in networks, which means that your insurance, whether or not, you, and, and always call your insurance provider to find out what your mental health benefits are. They are different from your regular medical benefits. So if you have mental health benefits, you, um, can then learn what that would cover. And so say that count that, that covers mental health counseling um, and that provider is in your network, oftentimes uh, you find out what your deductible is. If that has been met, then you just pay your regular copay for office visits. Um, so I always say start there if, if you'd like to use your insurance and not have to come out of pocket with that cost. However, you can, if you have a, a therapist um, in your community that has great reviews and is someone that you, you've heard great word of mouth about that you want to see, you can pay out of pocket. You don't have to mm-hmm. stick with someone that's on your insurance panel. Mm-hmm. Um, did you want to add to that? Yeah. Oh, no, I will. <laughs> I'm agreeing with you. Um, no, I, I mean, I guess the one thing I would add to that is that Um, just to add on to your definition of counseling, and we're going to go into this a little bit more later, but, um, sometimes you'll look at your insurance plans and you may not know which one to pick. Right. Um, so if you're listening right now, that is something we're going to go into a little bit later so we can explain to y'all what exactly, who you would want to choose, what type of mental health Mm -hmm. professional you have Mm -hmm. psychiatrists, you have counselors. So while Dr. Roderick just mentioned the, um, definition of counseling, what came to mind for me as well that would be useful to know is is, that I would add is that counselors are non-advice giving professionals. We don't give advice. That's not something that we um, do. We actually aim to empower you to find your own insights. And it's done in a very, um, very artful way, I would say. It's kind of a mix of art and science. So if you're looking for Dr. Phil, don't, don't go to a counselor. counselor. No, Um, I, I think that's probably one of the biggest myths yeah. about counseling is that um, it's advice giving. They're going to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I always start off sessions, like in my intake session, saying, if I had the best advice in the world, I'd have a line around the block. That's right. not what this is about. And right. so um, I think you almost see a little bit of relief in someone because mm-hmm. I think you know, going to someone to tell you what to do, there's some anxiety wrapped up with that because sure. what if you don't agree with it? Or, you know, so no, absolutely, we do not give advice. So that's right. a really good statement or comment to make. Um, and also to psychologytoday.com. Um, Psychology Today is a, is a publication in the psychology world, but their website is so user-friendly and it's a great way to cross-reference the providers um, that are maybe listed on your insurance. So uh, that that's another great place to start um, mm-hmm. when you're looking for someone in your community. And even on that website, I like how it breaks it down what that therapist's specialty is. Mm-hmm. So like Katie said, if you have a specific need and you're trying to find a therapist, um, that maybe it specializes or that's their scope of work. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty informative to, to look on psychology today. Another place uh, you can always ask your physicians, whether that's your general practitioner and OBGYN, mm-hmm. they'll have a list of providers for you. Um, as well as if it's your child ask their school counselor, um, and their pediatrician, they'll have a list for you. Uh, so I think, a, a, one of the things I, that people are concerned about when starting therapy is 
well, what if I pick this person and I go to see them and I don't like them? Yeah. Um, do I tell them? Do I just not go back? Um, so I, I think that's a great concern to have and to Definitely. bring up in counseling and your therapist will walk you through what that would look like. So, you know, it takes a couple of sessions to what we said, we call rapport building, um, for you to feel comfortable that you can trust that therapist, that you feel this is someone that you can you know, really divulge some intimate details about yourself. And it doesn't happen in the first session. It may take a couple of sessions to right. feel a certain way about your therapist because it's a relationship. It's a two-way street. And mm-hmm. you want to have a therapist that is very open to understanding what your needs are and deciding whether or not it's in their scope of work. Right. And they will help you transition to a therapist that they feel is a better fit for you. Right. And um, that, and if they don't do that, that's what they should yes, be doing. Yes, that is definitely what they should be doing. it's not something that we as counselors take personally if, exactly if we know and, and feel that from the client's perspective and they voice just that they just don't feel like it's a good fit for them we our job is to find them somebody that right that, that they feel like would be a good fit for them right so I think that Dr. Roger makes a really good point in that because sometimes I think people feel like it's awkward to say or or they don't know how to handle the situation if they don't like the mm-hmm. counselor and then they keep going back or they just give up And we don't want people to give up. No, no. It is not about us. As a therapist, you coming to therapy is not at all about our, you know, the way that we think and feel. This is about you. So if it's not a good working therapeutic relationship, it is our job to transfer you um, and, and to connect you with a therapist that is will better fit your needs. Um, so just that that's a kind of a, a little information about how to get started, how to find a therapist for you. But Katie, I, I think the main thing that we should focus on mm-hmm. is breaking down the profession. Like oh, I said, yeah. it's an umbrella. Psychology is an umbrella. So um, how would you maybe begin to explain the different roles? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. I think it's important that we break down the entire mental health system so that people can understand. And a good place to go back to is what Dr. Rodriguez said is she described psychology to be an umbrella, which is exactly right. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. So our mental health system um, and under the umbrella of psychology, there are several different professions. And so you have, I'm going to name them. So one of them is psychiatry. Then you have psychologists. Then you have licensed professional counselors. And then you have social workers. Um, And then you also have um, art therapists. Mm -hmm. So there are different types of mental health professionals that work under the umbrella of psychology. And not all of them will meet your needs. Everybody, um, every profession is, has their own roles and their training that is different and unique and meets different needs. So to start with psychiatry, for those of you who don't know, psychiatrists go to medical school. They um, have, you know, go and get their medical training and then specialize in psychiatry. And they learn a lot more about biology and the brain and also how to treat mental health disorders with the use of pharmacology or psychotropic medications, as we call them. So, for example, um, if you had a child that was struggling with very severe depression or severe anxiety, you might visit a psychiatrist to get an evaluation for medication to see if that would be a a treatment option for Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, obviously, a psychiatrist will be able to say a lot more and a lot better about what they do. So I'm just scratching the surface. I'm not going to step out of my role. I'm scratching the surface on what we understand as counselors as to what psychiatrists do. Mm -hmm. And I will also add that 
as a professional counselor, so Dr. Roderick and I are both licensed professional counselors. We both work very closely with with psychiatrists. Um, for myself, working in a hospital system, I work with have worked with psychiatrists on a daily basis. So there's very much a team approach mm-hmm. with this mental health system. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm describing it as separate professions, I also want people to know that it is very team oriented or should be right. Um, right. And you can see more than one of those professions. So you might see a psychiatrist and a counselor at the same time, which is what should be happening. Right. Um, The next one is psychologist. So a psychologist goes and gets their PhD in psychology. They're trained in both research, but then also clinical psychology. And they are trained to do a lot of testing and evaluations. Um, Sometimes the testing can take up to three days, depending Mm -hmm. on what type of test you're doing. But these tests that they do are tests that even counselors are not qualified to do, or even psychiatrists may not be qualified to do. So they have specializations and certain qualifications to do these testings to come up with a diagnosis for what's going on with mental with your mental health right um some psychologists might practice clinically which means they might offer a form of counseling and then some strictly just do testing and evaluation um and then the next one of course is social workers so social workers go to school and get a master's in social work um they then become licensed and are considered a licensed mental health professional And um, the way I understand it as well and the way that um, the difference I like to how I like to to kind of describe the difference between social work and counseling is that social work, they have received a lot of training in connecting people with resources. Mm -hmm. Um, They look at the different systems that and kind of layers that are around you and help you with connecting you to the resources that you need, whereas counseling is a different in that counselors look it's more of a long term therapy approach to be able to getting to the root of an issue right. and kind of grabbing things from the root. Right. Um, and, uh, to give like an example, just for clarification, if, if there was a woman that was struggling with domestic violence, maybe they're trapped in a relationship where it's abusive. Um, a social worker would be really great with helping that woman find a battered woman shelter, um, helping them find their, a safe place for their children, mm-hmm. um, making sure they have every resource they need, looking at their financial resources, making sure that they kind of have that good safety plan built for them to kind of help them get ready to making healthy decisions for themselves and helping them find a better place to be able or be at a better place to be able to leave that relationship. When you go to a counselor, we're also going to explore why that person keeps going back to the abusive relationship what are the reasons to why they're getting there we're going to really dig deep and it takes a long it it takes a lot of commitment and investment in yourself to be able to kind of explore those issues because a counselor is really going to want to help you empower you to find your own solution to getting out of that relationship and figuring out kind of why it continues to happen right um you want to add anything about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think in speaking to the counselor role, uh, you know, in our training, we are trained in psychodynamics and psychotherapy and, and diagnosis and treatment. So that's where our focus will lie. So mm-hmm. um, although we can connect with resources, however, it, that's the training of a social worker and they better fit that role. So, Absolutely. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I think it, in, uh, Katie had just mentioned that team approach. Right. I think the the most successful um cases or individuals that I've worked with have that team approach and then everyone is able to consult with each other which is a consent that is signed by you the individual that is you you give rights for everybody to kind of speak to one another but I think in this coordination of care yields the best results absolutely it does Um, especially if 
you know, let's say you are struggling with depression and you meet with a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist says, you know, I do think you could benefit from mm-hmm. medication. Let's try it. Mm-hmm. Once you try and start taking medication, it should not in there. Right. You know, medication will help to take the edge off and kind of help with addressing mood issues. Um, a psychiatrist can tell you more. There's a lot more benefits as well, as well as risks. Um, <clears throat> but then counseling will actually help you to kind of change the way you think about things. Right. And really unearth like a more healthy perspective yeah. that you have within yourself. Right. But it takes sometimes some professional guidance to be able to getting there. Yeah. yeah. So if you have a depressive way of thinking, well, counseling is going to help you change that. Right. For the better. Right. Whereas the medications will help with the physical symptoms exactly. of depression, anxiety, right. <clears throat> um, that helps get you to a place where you are able to process. Sometimes the physical symptoms overwhelm us so much that it's it's almost like that fog feeling of, I can't even think straight. I mean, I'm sure everybody's felt that right. way at some point. So medication can help with those physical symptoms. And then you mm-hmm. have the, the counseling and the psychotherapy piece that helps change Absolutely. your thinking and behaviors and then leads you to a, right. a, you know, a, a path of, of betterment. So, so that's a really um, good example of the team approach that mm-hmm. we're kind of talking mm-hmm. about. And I think another important question that people sometimes ask themselves or wonder or that we get asked actually yeah. is how do I know when it's a good time to see <laughs> a counselor? When is the best time to see a psychiatrist or if I should or if I shouldn't? Um, and I would definitely first say that is up to your mental health professional and you to decide. So go visit a mental health professional because everybody's situation will be unique. Right. However, a good kind of rule of thumb is that we are trained as counselors to work with our clients is that if our client's functioning is severely impaired in more than one area of their life, then it will oftentimes warrant a evaluation for medication being a potential Mm -hmm. benefit for them. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to counseling for some time and you're still, you know, or maybe it's a child, your child's not sleeping at home, they're not doing well at home, they can't function at school, they're not, they can't make friends. That's three areas of their life, social, family, right. Physical. Um, and physical that they are just struggling. So that would be a really strong indication that, you know what, medication might be of right. help in addition to counseling. Um, so to kind of answer the the question of when is it best to be able to see a psychiatrist along with a counselor, yeah. I think that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. And I often hear, um, especially parents for their kids, but also just adults, you know, I, I'm not sure if I want to be on medication. I'd have to be on it. I think a, a misconception is that they'll be on it forever. Again, these aren't questions that a, a licensed professional counselor could answer, but a medical professional could. Absolutely. And I always tell people, look, I understand that you're apprehensive about medication. And I think the only way to make an informed decision is, is to, to get go. more information just <laughs> yeah. Because you schedule an appointment and you visit a psychiatrist does not mean that you have to take the medication. You go, you, you not, I mean that you have to get on some medication. Once you have that conversation with your psychiatrist and you develop a treatment plan, that's between you and the psychiatrist as to how there will be, it'll be regimented and how it'll be mm-hmm. followed. But you can go and get that information and let them know how you feel about medication, the stigmas around that mm-hmm. and, and what that would look like for you. Cause again, everyone's different. Right. Which actually it's a really good segue because whenever you were talking about that, I immediately thought of one of the most common myths people have about psychiatry is that you're going to walk in and then walk out with a script. Right. And that is one of the myths is that, you know, psychiatrists are pill pushers or that's all they're, they, they do. Mm -hmm. That is, could not be farther from the truth. Right. Um, I've worked with the most wonderful and, you know, very competent, intelligent, amazing psychiatrist here in the Baton Rouge area actually. And, um, and outside of Baton Rouge and Covington, they have some, uh, you know, great 
resources there as well. But there are a lot of psychiatrists that actually do want to spend the time with you to kind of help you make these decisions for yourself. And they won't always say you need medication. You may walk out, like Mary Catherine said, without a prescription and and maybe a referral to a counselor. Right. And that's the thing too. Anywhere kind of a, there's, there's, um, not necessarily a certain order, like Katie had mentioned, of when you're going to be treated for what. And so if you go to see a, a, a counselor and you the counselor identifies the need for um, a referral to, to speak with a psychiatrist for medication, they will assist you in doing that. Or if you see a social worker and they um, identify the need is psychotherapy, they'll get you to a counselor. So it's not like you have to start in one area right. and work kind of in an order. I think the order is very specific to you and kind of what your, your needs are. Right. So, yeah. So I think... Um, Advice giving is probably number one of what I hear is, you know, is, oh, are you going to tell me? Yeah. yeah the what myths. are the other myths? That's a good point. Um, I think definitely that the profession as a whole and what each person's role is, is a myth. Um, I, I get, I, I go, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. That if your counselor is not just like you, mm. they won't be able to help you. Oh, such a good So a I hear a lot of the times, well, he's a male. How's he going to help me? Right. Or, He's not my race. How's he going to help me? Right. Or she, you know? And I think that's one of the, right. She's, she's too young. She She hasn't had life experience. She has no kids. Yeah. I I don't know how well trained she's going to be. Right. Um, So you have even kind of the, the different, that that to me serves as a, as a huge barrier. Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a myth obviously, and we're going to break down why, but um, the first thing that comes to mind, going back to your definition of counseling that that Dr. Roderick just talked about. Um, another thing that ACA highlights, the American Counseling Association, is that counseling is a profession that meets diverse individuals' needs. And what that means is in our training, we are trained to be what we call multiculturally competent. So we are trained to learn and be able to understand each culture and how to be able to understand the culture and the race of the person that's sitting across from us in that room. Mm -hmm. So whether they are from a different sexuality than you, or they are a different race, or they come from a different culture, or come from a different place, that is something that we as counselors are designed, or trained, (laughs) I'm sorry, to be able to serve you in a way that we are competent in learning and understanding and working from your framework instead of imposing our own values and beliefs. Right. So we learn about yours instead of imposing what we know from our perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And if you are, you know, if you feel like you, you may have that bias or you feel like that, that counselor may have that bias, bring it up in session. I mean, I think that's the best thing uh, it's, you know, the, we, no one's mind readers in the room. So you have to talk about what it, and, and I, it, you know, a therapist will, be glad to process that with you. Should if be. You do, yes. Yeah, should be. Should be. <laughs> should be happy to process that process that with you. So that way you can, because um, again, that therapeutic relationship is a two-way street. You want to feel trust and rapport both ways. And so if you have something that is is making you feel uncomfortable and you bring it into session and then you can throw it. And that may right. open the door to a further discussion about mm-hmm. other issues. I have an example just yeah. for listeners that maybe kind of want us to break this down a little bit more. Something that I think is, a, is an example to kind of highlight this is, Let's say you are battling a decision to um, quit your job or you are struggling with something uh, maybe in a marriage and you're considering divorce. And so you go to see a counselor and you start talking with your counselor about these things and the counselor or mental health professional, maybe it's not a counselor, maybe it could be another mental health professional, the mental health professional um, you feel is kind of starting to guide you in ways that is wanting to... um, 
preserve what you have, like your, your marriage, whereas your values and within your culture, it doesn't match what they are Mm -hmm. kind of pushing upon you. That is a great opportunity to bring up and say, Mm -hmm. you know what, let me tell you a little bit about my culture and my values and what is important to my family and how I grew up. Right. Um, that is, brings great opportunity for you to be able to kind of explain to your counselor and help them to understand that they might be unintentionally or intentionally imposing a bias right, on, on right, you. Right. Um, cause a counselor sh- or a mental health professional should not impose their own bias exactly. and values onto you. That really would get in the way of you reaching the best conclusion for mm-hmm. yourself or best right. solution for yourself. Right. Right. Um, another thing we had mentioned earlier is treatment planning. And so I think a, a myth or, or just maybe a question that people have when they come to counseling is how long do I have to do this? Is this like six weeks or two months or, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they, people, some people like a very structured timeline. And so, Within the first couple of sessions, we do something called treatment planning, uh, where we uh, identify what the needs are, make a diagnosis, and then decide what type of therapy that we're going to be engaging in, whether that's cognitive behavioral therapy, solution-focused therapy, Mm -hmm. existential therapy. And these are all mediums from which your counselor has been trained. And you can ask, like, what is your, it's called your theoretical orientation. Um, And some counselors stick to maybe just one. Some counselors say that they're more uh, collective integrative or yeah collective. but um but th- that way and they can talk to you about what that therapy would look like then you set goals within um with for those needs and to how to reach short-term interim long-term goals and then what you'll be working on each session to reach those goals yeah absolutely. so um and and that's an uh, something that you should be an active part of right it's your roadmap yeah it's your roadmap i mean it's it's if you feel like you're coming and you're not really sure or you don't mm-hmm. you know because if if you don't have an an agenda set no not that it has to be set in stone but because we know that each time uh, someone comes to therapy they could be presenting with a whole new issue depending on what has happened to them in the last week or mm-hmm. month since they've seen you um, and you reserve time to process that but also to each you know each session to revisit what the goals are mm-hmm. and how are you getting closer to them how maybe you feel a little stagnant mm-hmm. um, or if they've been reached you know is it time to um, what we call graduate from treatment or are there another more goals that now have have come from reaching right. the ones you're, you've just reached yeah and I think what I would add to that is is with from a counselor's perspective we do, we are trained to diagnose and treat mental health disorders. So it's a very important piece that's a part of our treatment planning, but it is not the ultimate guide to what we do. For for instance, we don't practice from what we call the medical model. Right. We practice from what we call the wellness model. So we are looking at you in a, or, or helping you in a way that, looking at your problems in a way that we're trying to help be more strengths building mm-hmm. and help you reach a better place of wellness as opposed to focusing on quote unquote an illness. Right. Um, so your diagnosis will be factored into your treatment, but it's not something that is ultimately what we aim to kind of put all the focus on. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. So um, I'm trying to think of some other myths or questions that maybe people have about counseling um I think sometimes to just understanding maybe not even um you know just the miss but maybe just the challenges and barriers that get in the way of you of people getting the help they need and one of them that comes to mind that um seems to be the biggest barrier is a stigma and the stigma that's associated with mental health and to me, the stigma comes up in many ways. You can see it kind of serve as a guard to people getting the help that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have all these walls that are kind of in the way of people getting the help that they need. And I think, you know, this is something that Dr. Roderick and I talk about 
in our waiting room when clients aren't there. <laughs> hence why we've named this show The Waiting Room. Um, but I think that one of the reasons is that our society has not yet figured out how to rebrand mental health and really kind of deliver that right. accurate message to society of what mental health is and what it isn't. Mm-hmm. And that that is not to say that people aren't out there trying and we have professionals that are, have done that. It's just that it's not reaching a large enough platform for these messages to be delivered at a larger scale, right? at a larger, more systemic, in a more systemic way. And I think that that is probably one of the biggest reasons, and, I'll have, and I would like you to chime in on yeah. this as well, probably one of the biggest reasons that we made the effort to design our offices in yeah. the way that we have because it hopes to be able to break through that. Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that mental health um, comes with a lot of, of stigmas uh, and words that that have caused people not to come to counseling, like the word crazy. crazy yeah. I need to be fixed. Um, what would my family think? What would my friends think if they knew I saw a therapist? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it may be seen as weak. And I think that, you know, in, in the 40s, um, when, when someone would say, I'm going to go running, somebody would say, well, who's chasing you? Because uh, physical health had not been deemed by um, the medical profession as, you know, something that's good for you. So what happened, the scientist and the medical professional swooped in and they have a lot of research to suggest that physical health, um, your Running physical well-being, beneficial. Yeah, it's good for you. So what happened? We all started doing it and now you feel guilty if you don't do it. So I think, right. um, and, and I've, I've read some articles on this and how mental health is kind of maybe going on that upswing as well, that you have mm-hmm. a lot of people now looking at, uh, looking at how it's so beneficial. It becomes almost like preventative Absolutely. maintenance, uh, if you will. Um, and looking at all those areas of well-being, you want to be able to identify what are healthy coping skills, right? You know, what are healthy communication skills? Because if I know that now and I can put that in place when life experiences and issues arise, I'm better equipped to deal with it. Just as if, um, you know, if you looked at the the running example, you know, if you wake up tomorrow and say, I think I want to run a marathon. Well, can you get up and go run 26 miles? Maybe some people can, but usually what you do, yeah, (laughs) you find maybe a running coach or you do some research on running plans and then you slowly build up to be able to reach that goal. And so I think that, that mental health is, is the same way you want to start, um, building those skill sets and building that strength and self-empowerment to be able to run this like emotional marathon of life. Right. And I think that that's, that's definitely a good analogy to use as well. And maybe also will help break down some of the stigma because if you're looking at your mental health as just as important as your overall medical, I mean, Mm -hmm. physical health, I mean, this is why people run an exercise is to better their physical health. Right. So why would you not go see a counselor to exercise your mind? Right. Um, and to kind of work through some of the struggles you might be experiencing. Right. Um, so I hope this information has been helpful for people um, is there anything that you think we're missing? Or that we well, you know, I was going to say if, if, if those of you listening say, well, I have this question or I, you know, I've heard this myth about counseling, feel free to email us, um, or go to our website. There's a, there's a way to contact us there. Send us your questions or your comments. Um, we would love to be able to answer, um, and, and talk about things that, uh, you find are something you want more information about. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to wrap up. Clay Young here with Brian Lowe with Brian Lowe Financial. Brian, what are the steps people need to take to put together an effective retirement plan? Well, step one would be to jump into our class. Yep. It's the three-week course, one night a week for three weeks, two hours a night. It flies by. From there, you start to work on your own financial plan. 
Uh, then we get a one-hour visit with a financial advisor, either okay. myself or one of the other people we work with okay. in your local area. It could be New Orleans, Baton Rouge, or Mandeville. Right. Give us a call. We'll get you into a local class. Then we punt to a second meeting. So I'm going to uncover your values, what's most important to you. What's your purpose with your money? Mm-hmm. It's so funny when you ask someone, what's the purpose with your money? They don't really right. know. Is it just income planning and not running out of money? Right. Uh, like the dentist out of a Laplace area, Brian, look, I have enough money. I'll never run out of money. He had comfort and he had an income plan. Sure. And most people don't have that same feeling. So we got to find a way to help give you income, retirement plan, and help ensure you don't run out of money. Give me a call today. Develop a plan that works for you with Brian Lowe Financial and online at brianlowfinancial.com. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the Podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Welcome back Back to The Waiting Room. Welcome back to The Waiting Room. Um, Today, my partner in crime, Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick, and I have been talking to you guys about the mental health system and kind of demystifying counseling and what that is and what it isn't. Um, we've talked and highlighted a little bit about the different mental health professions and how the really the giving you some guidance on how you can kind of be able to navigate through this system because it's something that we know is not always very clear. Um, there's not something that you're born knowing. So we kind of broke that down for you guys and we really appreciate you listening. Um, if there's things that we left out or thoughts that you have about the show or questions or comments, we would love your feedback. Um, we would love you for you to be able to go and check us out and subscribe to us on iTunes and also podcast225.com. Um, and we really appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again. Thank you. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to The Waiting Room. This has been a Podcast225.com production.